Hey, Wiki listeners, it's Rachel. And Victor, did you know I host the fantastic NYC Talent Show every Monday night at the Parkside Lounge in New York City? It's an off-off Broadway showcase where you can see New York's underground performance art up close. We've got weekly special guests like Colin Quinn, Janine Garofalo, Tone Bell, and lots more. Use the code WIKILISTEN for a special discount on tickets when you go to nyctalentshow.com. That's nyctalentshow.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Wikipedia page for Raising of Chicago. You're listening to the podcast where we read Wikipedia articles and provide commentary. Welcome to Wikilisten. I'm Rachel Teichman, LMSW. Raising of Chicago. During the 1850s and 1860s, engineers carried out a piecemeal raising of the level of central Chicago. Streets, sidewalks, and buildings were physically raised on jack screws. The work was funded by private property owners and public funds. Background During the 19th century, the elevation of the Chicago area was little higher than the shoreline of Lake Michigan, so for many years, there was little or no naturally occurring drainage from the city surface. The lack of drainage caused unpleasant living conditions and standing water harbored pathogens that caused numerous epidemics including typhoid fever and dysentery, which blighted Chicago six years in a row, culminating in the 1854 outbreak of cholera that killed 6% of the city's population. The crisis forced the city's engineers and aldermen to take the drainage problem seriously and after many heated discussions, and following at least one false start, a solution eventually materialized. In 1856, engineer Ellis S. Chesbro drafted a plan for the installation of a citywide sewage system and submitted it to the Common Council, which adopted the plan. 
Workers then laid drains, covered and refinished roads and sidewalks with several feet of soil, and raised most buildings to the new grade. Earliest raising of a brick building. In January 1858, the first masonry building in Chicago to be thus raised, a four-story, 70-foot, 21-meter-long, 750-ton, 680 metric tons brick structure situated at the northeast corner of Randolph Street and Dearborn Street was lifted on 200 jack screws to its new grade, which was six feet two inches, 1.88 meters higher than the old one, without the slightest injury to the building. It was the first of more than 50 comparably large masonry buildings to be raised that year. The contractor was an engineer from Boston, James Brown who went on to partner with Chicago engineer James Hollingsworth. Brown and Hollingsworth became the first and, it seems, the busiest building-raising partnership in the city. By the year-end, they were lifting brick buildings more than 100 feet, 30 meters long, and the following spring they took the contract to raise a brick block of more than twice that length. The Row on Lake Street In 1860, a consortium of no fewer than six engineers, including Brown, Hollingsworth, and George Pullman, co-managed a project to raise half a city block on Lake Street between Clark Street and LaSalle Street, complete and in one go. This was a solid masonry row of shops, offices, printeries, etc., 320 feet, 98 meters long, comprising brick and stone buildings, some four stories high, some five, having a footprint taking up almost one acre, 4,000 meters squared, of space, and an estimated all-in-weight, including hanging sidewalks of 35,000 tons. Businesses operated in these premises were not closed down during the operation. As the buildings were being raised, people came, went, shopped, and worked in them as they would ordinarily do. In five days, the entire assembly was elevated 4 feet 8 inches, 1.42 meters, by a team consisting of 600 men using 6,000 jack screws, ready for new foundation walls to be built underneath. The spectacle drew crowds of thousands who were on the final day permitted to walk at the old ground level among the jacks. The Tremont House The following year, a team led by Eli, Smith, and Pullman raised the Tremont House Hotel on the southeast corner of Lake Street and Dearborn Street. The building was luxuriously appointed, was of brick construction, was six stories high, and had a footprint taking up over one acre, 4,000 meters squared, of space. Once again, business as usual was maintained as this large hotel ascended, and some of the guests staying there at the time, among those number were several VIPs and a U.S. senator, were oblivious to the process as 500 men worked under covered trenches operating their 5,000 jack screws. One patron was puzzled to note that the front steps leading down the street into the hotel were becoming steeper every day, and that when he checked out, the windows were several feet above his head, whereas before they had been at eye level. This hotel building, which until just the previous year had been the tallest building in Chicago, was raised 6 feet 1.8 meters without incident. The Robbins Building On the corner of South Water Street and Wells Street stood the Robbins Building, an iron building 150 feet, 46 meters long, 80 feet, 24 meters wide, and five stories high. This was a very heavy building. Its ornate iron frame, its 12-inch, 305 millimeter thick masonry wall filling, 
and its floors filled with heavy goods made for a weight estimated at 27,000 tons, 24,000 metric tons, a large load to raise over a relatively small area. Hollingsworth and Coughlin took the contract and in November 1865 lifted not only the building, but also the 230 feet, 70 meter of stone sidewalk outside it. The complete mass of iron and masonry was raised 27.5 inches, 0.7 meters, without the slightest crack or damage. Hydraulic raising of the Franklin House. There is evidence in primary document sources that at least one building in Chicago, the Franklin House on Franklin Street, was raised hydraulically by the engineer John C. Lane of the Lane and Stratton Partnership of San Francisco. Californian engineers had been using hydraulic jacks to raise brick buildings in and around San Francisco as early as 1853. Relocated Buildings Many of central Chicago's hurriedly erected wooden frame buildings were now considered inappropriate to the burgeoning and increasingly wealthy city. Rather than raise them several feet, Proprietors often preferred to relocate these old frame buildings, replacing them with new masonry blocks built to the latest grade. Consequently, the practice of putting the old multi-story intact and furnished wood buildings, sometimes entire rows of them on block, on rollers, and moving them to the outskirts of town or to the suburbs was so common as to be considered nothing more than routine traffic. Traveler David McRae wrote, Never a day passed during my stay in the city that I did not meet one or more houses shifting their quarters. One day I met nine. Going out Great Madison Street in the horse cars, we had to stop twice to let houses get across. The function for which such a building had been constructed would often be maintained during the move. A family could begin dining at one address and at the end of their meal at another, and a shop owner could keep their shop open, even as customers had to climb in through a moving front door. Brick buildings were also moved from one location to another, and in 1866, the first of these, a brick building of two and a half stories, made the short move from Madison Street out to Monroe Street. Later, many other, much larger brick buildings were rolled much greater distances across Chicago. I guess it's my dream to be in a moving structure like this. I've seen houses relocated in the 21st century. However, I've never been in one, and it sounds fun. This has been the Wikipedia page for Raising of Chicago. Thanks for listening to Wikilisten. To support the show, go to patreon.com slash Podcast and find us on social media at Wikilisten and at wikilisten.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.